Hello and welcome to episode number 236 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good man, pretty good. Good, good. I've just been chilling this evening watching a bit of Empire Strikes Back, which is always fun. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Got about half an hour to go. I'm looking forward to seeing how it's all going to play out with this Vader guy and Luke. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, who knows? <laughs> it could go anywhere. Yeah. Um, it could go either way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but no, we have another movie actually to discuss this week in the form of The Stylist. Um, which is a upcoming new release from Arrow. Um, and yeah, we'll explain more of that very shortly. Um, but first, there is a whole bunch of news to get to this week. Um, there is. So let's dive right in. And yeah, some of this stuff is just going to be a case of like, we've mentioned it, we can move on because I'm sure it's something that we're not really that interested in. Um, but some of this stuff is awesome. And yeah, kicking, kicking it off with something that I'm been dying to talk about um, is, is fast becoming one of our favorite TV shows, uh, a little bit of creep show. Um, of course, it's been an absolute joy. Season one, the two specials, which were fantastic. Um, and we kind of knew that season two was coming, obviously, after it got delayed last year. Um, and we got a whole bunch of news this week surrounding Creepshow. Um, so I guess starting with season two, um, yeah, we have a premiere day and a trailer. Um, so this is coming very, very soon, in fact, on April 1st um so good so soon yes um and i'm so glad i i had a feeling this was gonna happen i think i even said it you know with the christmas episode mm-hmm. where it was only going to be a small delay obviously um you know it's supposed to hit october like usual um so coming in april which is fantastic and there's the trailer which we'll which we'll talk about uh, briefly um but then off the back of that yeah we knew that season three had got the green light um they'd already gone into pre-production before they'd finished post-production mm-hmm. on season two and yeah they kind of like officially announced it now um with a few cast details and it is um it's planned to come later this year they've said um so it was this season season three right yes um which is awesome news and, and again this is something that i'm really happy it's it's a massive undertaking for shudder you know mm. we're only really now getting into this original tv game but like i to me creep show being in october <clears throat> is imperative to that show's success and yeah, of definitely. course of course covid delayed season two there's nothing they can do about that but i do think a case of just getting it out letting the fans enjoy it but then getting back on that cycle as quickly as possible because otherwise you know when does season three come out does it come out in may or june next year and then you get on this weird cycle um mm. that's hard to break so i think just breaking that sooner rather than later getting two seasons in one year is obviously incredible for that's the wild. fans um but i think it's so awesome because yes yeah, like october halloween that's such a big time for shutter getting that casual fan base to sign up um and i just creep show to me is the perfect show for that um so yeah I, I i hope that we get more but we guaranteed to get in season two very soon um which we can't wait to cover for the show and yeah this teaser trailer i mean i absolutely loved it it was a minute long and it did everything i wanted a teaser trailer to do where you don't really get any sense of spoilers um because no, it's just it's, carnage yeah it's like what i think they said nine different stories are being told in season two and it's really? yeah and obviously you've seen like loads of these famous faces pop up like i think heron mm. keith david's voiceover who's prominent in the trailer just filled me with so much joy um and yeah overall absolutely loved it what, what did you make of the kind of trailer and all these announcements yeah pretty much just mirror everything you've said like super pumped for it i think the <clears throat> yeah the trailer brought the hype levels there the, the amount of cameos that were in that trailer were, were kind of crazy mm. um and yeah I'm, I'm already just looking like having only watched the trailer once i'm just looking at each little part of it and thinking 
what the hell are these segments going to be? And they, they all look exactly how I want them to look in this very quick display that we got. And um, yeah, I just can't wait till April 1st. And then the fact that we've got season three, you know, hopefully just around the corner is, is incredible news. And I think kind of, you know, it's what we what we spoke about last year, that Shudder really leaned into Creepshow for season one, um, heavily promoted on their service. And it's obviously paid dividends. And I'm just so happy that that, uh, that an IP like that, a franchise like that, can come back and and kind of, you know, it's not, um, you know, it isn't this kind of remake or anything like that. It's just a complete rebranding, reimagining of this cool IP, and and it's made it kind of one of the the coolest kind of shows that's out right now, which is saying mm. a lot because there's a lot of cool shows out right now. Yeah, they tapped into it perfectly of the combination of pure nostalgia mm. um, and and that kind of throwback horror that we see so many films and TV shows, but mostly films trying to recreate that era, the 80s you know, horror era. And so seeing all these famous faces from that era pop up in this TV show is just so great. And obviously, Greg is kind of the showrunner, has just done an amazing job so far. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, one thing I want to touch upon with the trailer. So this is diving a little bit more into the trailer. So if you haven't seen it, maybe this is spoilery. I don't, I don't think it is. Um, but there's some interesting stuff in the trailer, especially towards the end where the voiceover says, Hail to the King. Mm. Um, and also in one of the very short bits, and I had to watch it a few times really to kind of unpack it, but Ted Raimi is in one of the episodes. And he's on like a TV show with this like presenter guy. And they've got a very evil looking book um which is kind of got skin wrapped around it it doesn't it doesn't look exactly like the necronomicon i can't see a face on it and it seems to have like a lock on the front and they put a key in but it's very evil dead vibes and mm. i'm really curious if it is just going to be a homage to evil dead or if it's going to be something a bit more official i guess like i'm not saying it's going to be canon i don't think bruce campbell's going to show up i think the idea of a short spin-off in creep show that is the actual book of the dead you know the necronomicon and just has a bunch of deadites fucking shit up like mm. that would be so cool <laughs> um so i'm curious what that is but yeah i, I love the way they put that in the trailer because it was very purposeful of like they're teasing something here which, which yeah. is pretty cool yeah you you don't say hail to the king um no uh, in in a horror like throwback <laughs> franchise and unless you know what you're doing and you're up to something yeah with ted um, raimi with his with a skin covered book like it's mm, pretty you know it's pretty yeah, dead. it's going uh, down but yeah i cannot wait for this we, we we are very much looking forward to this uh new season mm. um next up is another trailer um one that people have been dying for for ages um is mortal Kombat. um you know we've known about this movie for a very long time and it's very similar to the godzilla and kong stuff and with a lot of warner bros films where they've just been done for so long you know they didn't know when to release them it's similar with malignant as well like that movie's been done for so long and you know we've seen i think one screenshot from malignant at this point um you know so, <laughs> oh, so we've still not seen a full trailer or anything um but obviously they have a shit ton of stuff coming out they need to space it out and generate hype for them all individually um without kind of blowing the load all at the start of the year and so yeah we are seeing them start to trickle out more and the next one is mortal Kombat. um mm. obviously coming out april 16th um what, what did you make of this trailer did you have any strong thoughts or feelings about it um not not overly i mean mortal Kombat is a is a game franchise i don't have a super kind of you know nostalgia or or love for really i've kind of played them over the years in short stints but never been massively into them i think kind of um looking at the trailer the one thing that's always awesome about mortal Kombat is the the violence and the fatalities and kind of the opening 10 seconds of the trailer was fantastic with just this you know cool fatality and then towards the end you get a couple of them as well and like i'm down for that 
but I don't really know how that is going to lean itself into an hour and a half spectacle. Mm. Like, um, you know, I don't know what the lore or the plot could possibly be that would keep me interested, but, um, you know, seeing, seeing, uh, Sub-Zero free someone's arms and then rip them off, uh, was, was pretty cool. Yeah. What was it? He like slashed someone and then turned the blood splatter into an icicle and then stabbed them with it. Like that was that was pretty out there. Like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm down for some of that. Definitely, because that that is what I you know pull from Mortal Kombat. I'm mm. with you where like it's not. A, I would definitely wouldn't consider myself a fan. I don't dislike it, but it's mostly stems from just not enjoying or ever really playing fighting games. Yeah, exactly. Like what I'm into. Um, but from the outside, Mortal Kombat is one that I've always uh, respected, especially visually, because mm. like every kind of generation from its inception has always pushed the envelope. And they've had some great um cameos in yeah. There. yeah yeah you know over yeah, the, the years all, all the horror icons joining it has always been great um, yeah and it's always got me so tempted but i just don't play fighting games exactly but i've all yeah i've always loved the the, the level of violence and the creativity with it as well where it is mm. it's such that horror movie thing of like when we talk about <clears throat> creative kills and over the top kills mortal kombat is one that really delivers that and gets that um so seeing it in a film would be cool the trailer for me i thought was totally fine like i think i saw the kind of general reception online which i think the people that are going to want to watch a mortal kombat trailer are probably pretty into it because everyone seemed to love it and i was kind of like oh yeah i'm excited for this and i sat down to watch it and i was like eh, it's fine like it's not bad but it's what exactly what I expected, like a bunch of characters that I don't really know, no idea what the story is. Um, and then it was very computer, you know, very CGI heavy, um, mm. which is always an interesting one because it's a video game franchise. And so, like, I think video games do lend themselves to that a bit more, um, especially when I think about like Silent Hill and stuff like that, when it's translated yeah. to the big screen. It does make sense to have it more computer generated than maybe you'd want usually. Um, but still, it was just there was a few kills in it, especially when it starts cutting very quickly in the trailer where it's just like it's such a cgi fest i just couldn't even tell what was really going on <laughs> um but yeah i'm like i'm like okay i'll watch it but i'm not i wouldn't say there's like a massive level of hype or anything like that um but yeah, moving on to another one that, yeah, I'm not really too hyped for, but I want to throw this in there because I found it pretty interesting, um, is that kind of Netflix announced an upcoming TV show um, with one Tim Burton attached to it. Um, I don't yeah. know if you saw this news. Um, it's really odd. So it's a new live action series centered around Wednesday Adams, of course, of the Adams family. Um, sure. Simply titled Wednesday, um, the film, uh, sorry, the series will follow the beloved character um, and it's described as a spooky coming of age. Um, eight episodes have been ordered by Netflix. The, the the only reason why I really put this in here because I don't think either of us are going to have too much hype for this. And I don't even know if this is something that I'll watch, but I found it interesting that Tim is seemingly attached to direct the whole thing. Um, and, and I always like seeing that transition of someone who has obviously been like a film director for so long, transitioning to the small screen for the first mm. time. Um, so that alone has me intrigued. I need yeah. to know more about this, whether or not I'll actually watch it because the, the tagline that they put as spooky coming of age, there is, a million things like that on Netflix. Um, yeah. You know, Sabrina comes to mind that I tried to watch and thought was garbage and a bunch of other shows. And that is such a kind of Netflix thing to do. Like they love that. They're obviously targeting young teens as their kind of primary audience. Um, and so, yeah. Like demo. Yeah. So I don't, I have no idea if this is going to be interesting or not. I just found it cool because especially with Tim, like he's such a weird director. When I, I was looking at his filmography earlier and I was like, man, when I was younger, I loved this guy's film so much with like Batman and um, Edward Scissorhands and Mars Attacks and Beetlejuice. Like his early filmography. His, was so he cool. was on an absolute God tier. Like, yeah. 
and know, then the he, happened. <laughs> yeah, like he was a guy that was kind of like doing a very different thing, but was almost like Tarantino esque, where yeah. like each one of his movies was just an absolute banger. And, you know, he was dipping into these different things and every one of them was very distinct and very Tim Burton. And then, yeah, he kind of, you know, just just lost his way a bit. And there was just like these weird kind of, you know, some of the dark cartoons that I saw mm. kind of, you know, post post kind of um, Nightmare Before Christmas. But kind of the was it Frankenweenie and Corpse Bride mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And then yeah. kind of. Um, Recently he did like Dumbo remake, and he's did obviously yeah. Wonderland, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like, yeah, I was trying to think. What, oh, that um, Barber of whatever. Oh yeah, uh, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd, that's the yeah. one. Yeah, like I remember just watching that and was bored out of my mind. Mm. Um, I didn't mind Dumbo for like what it was um, recently, but but yeah, like he's definitely. You know, he's a guy that, that his first four or five movies made it essential that you watched his next. Now I see Tim Burton attached and it's kind of like what happened with M. Night a few years ago. Mm. Where I'm like, oh, okay, Tim Burton's doing something. Let's have a look at it a little bit first before I get hyped. Um, yeah, you know. he's never like for me, like M. Night never got to this period because there, at this point, no, no. About, there's maybe a dozen Tim Burton films I haven't seen and yeah. never will see because I have no interest in watching them. Whereas M. Night was like, he made like three bad films and oh, now he's yeah. around. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Um, next up is probably another one that we're probably not massively interested in, um, but it's got a few names kind of attached to it. So um, this is reported by Deadline that J.J. Abrams is developing a new take on Constantine um, for hbo max so uh, yet another kind of streaming service that are greenlighting a lot of projects at the minute and this is another one um it's apparently the series will see john constantine as a young londoner um that's pretty much it i mean i don't have too much enthusiasm about this one do you want or care for a, a new constantine show i don't i have no interest in that but i have obvious interest in anything jj does depending mm. on his level of involvement but um yeah, Constantine is not. I I didn't even watch the Keanu Reeves one. No, I haven't day, seen it. No, to be honest, like it was just something that didn't interest me. And at the time, it Keanu was doing stuff that wasn't interesting me as well. Yeah, there's also been a, yeah, it was that in 2005, <clears throat> and there was apparently another small screen adaptation in 2014, which yeah, I literally didn't even know about. Oh, was that uh, 2005? So that was like. Yeah, soon after the matrix movies yeah, I, I remember when that came out I was like oh hell yeah keanu's in something else and then at the time i was just like yeah. no but that is a movie that mike i don't know i want to hear if people do like it because I, I there mm. is a fan base for constantine i know it's out mm. um but yeah moving on this next one is kind of just an update to something that we have previously talked about um regarding ariaster's next project um we kind of talked when it was more of a rumor um and speculation but that has now been confirmed so his next movie titled uh, disappointment boulevard um we discussed that joaquin phoenix was kind of in rumors to star in this movie and deadline have now reported that that is confirmed um so yes ariaster i don't know who who i'm more scared for (laughs) like ariaster phoenix or us as the audience member that's a really like, good point. <laughs> like, like someone's getting hurt out of those three. Yeah. Um, so it's very unclear what type of genre this movie is. Um, it's been described as an intimate decades spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. Um, so an A24 are behind this one. They are producing it and financing it. Um, you know, same as his previous two movies. Um, yeah, I think this is definitely going to be one of those ones that like, it's not a horror movie. It's going to be some weird drama with elements of comedy like he always has and maybe a few elements of violence. And it's going to be one of those shitty conversations. But overall, I don't care. I want to see what 
what Ariasta does next, and especially with Joaquin mm. Phoenix in the role. So regardless of what this turns out to be, I cannot wait to watch it. Um, sure. But yeah, um, moving on to another one. Um, this is one that, yeah, I have zero interest in, but just what I was writing in here. Um, Train to Busan remake. <laughs> next. <laughs> so yeah deadline once again um reporting that new line cinema have lined up a remake for train to busan um interestingly so the director is going to be uh, timo tagento who we literally spoke about last week um <laughs> who's kind of involved in vhs 94 um his segment from vhs 2 uh, is called safe haven and that was the one that kind of is is the universally the most mm favorite one of vhs2 it's very good and um yeah recently he's done the night comes for us was that the one that we was that the famous lost episode of the podcast the no no what was that called i was oh i can't even remember now when the oh yeah i can't remember now the zombie <laughs> but, uh, one wasn't it yeah yeah the zombie one in like france was it or something yeah uh, yeah but, when uh, the night eats the dark or something like that isn't it <laughs> yeah the night <laughs> eats the world i think or maybe something like that um right. but, uh, i'll try and find it yeah he also did may the devil <clears throat> and a sequel to that and they, those sound really cool those movies like, i think they're on netflix and i've been meaning to check those Ooh. out he is a director that i am interested in but as far as this project zero interest um this is clearly not for us this is in the category of martyrs oh. and record well, of, we'll, we'll break the remake for people that care go on uh when the night eats the world nailed it nice that's what i thought <laughs> um yeah. yeah um or the night eats the world sorry but yeah, um, this, this is not for us. This this is in the category no. of if you yeah. if you like if you want to watch these horror movies, but for some unknown reason you can't read subtitles, then this is for you. But this is not for us. I um, think I think the biggest thing is as well though, because I think sometimes you can sound a bit pretentious when you say that, because kind of like you know, oh, you know, I want to watch the subtitled one or anything like that. But it's not even that. Like this, the the originality of the film was the first movie, Zombies and Zombies on a Train, is not original um train to Busan did it in a very original very cool way that has now been done and i don't need to see it be you know re remade in in any sort of context you know the sequel didn't have me excited and then it kind of didn't wow me anyway and i think kind of you know if you're going to just do it if it's just a zombie movie just just do an american zombie movie you don't need to tag this this movie in that hmm you know, it's yeah. not it's not anything original that needs to be done that way. You know, something like a, the, the reason why I bring it up is because something like The Ring and Grudge was like a very different story that hadn't been told before. So then bringing it in a remake is kind of at least serves a purpose. But just chucking a, a, a overseas zombie movie to an American audience because they can't be bothered to read subtitles. It just doesn't make sense to me. Mm um yeah i totally get your point about you thinking it may be pretentious but for, for me i think it's actually the opposite because i think if you only if you call yourself a massive film fan and you only watch movies in english i think that is a bit pretentious to me of like well True, there's sub yeah sub and there's dubbed and both those methods make it super easy to watch foreign cinema um and again i'm not saying that's necessarily oh, yeah, your point my point my point's more that like no it's not that my point's more that i think sometimes people read into the fact that you know, you're just clamoring onto the fact that you've you've seen the subtitle version. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. not that at all. It's like no. that movie is truly special, and I don't think you can capture that again because it's in a genre that's overwhelmed. And and to have something original is is unique. And uh, and you know, it's it's like um, you know, imagine if they did something like One Cut of the Dead, like you know. It, it it's it's so original when you first see it and, and you just need to see it in its original format 
Definitely, yeah. I know what you're saying. Where it's I like... want to watch One Cut of the Dead. Yeah. I keep um, thinking about that movie. I don't know why I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's. I, I get what you're saying, where it's like, um, if you're the person who's like, well, I'm only going to watch Swedish art house movies, mm. you know, that are black and white. It's like, yeah, that's pretentious. But yeah. if you just want to watch great films, regardless yeah. of, of the... Because, because that's line, the thing, like, that, you know, this, like, I am a big fan of the American Ring sequel. Yeah. There's know, loads the of grudge. Movie, yeah, you know, and... Like, you know, it's just that when they come out, you know, and, and there's just no need for it. And, and when, when they're also kind of pretty much shot for shot as well, which I just I just got a funny feeling this one is just going to try and ham on it completely. Well, like a, like, a, like I mentioned at the start of this news story, I think it is that we have seen a blueprint very mm. recently for you can go all the way back to um, let the right one in. And like I said, Martyrs and Record, where it is, it is yeah. purely just has a foreign horror movie that got a little bit of clout. Let's just try and pull as much from it and make it Americanized. And the, the movie you've just mentioned, like One Cut of the Dead, that will happen with that movie. Um, we will see someone try and do that. Um, mm. I don't even know if that's been announced at this point. But like you say, that is the perfect example of oh an original idea but it's in foreign well we'll just make it in america um and that yeah like you say that's fine for people that want that because i'm sure there's loads of people that got enjoyment from the remakes i've just listed but we're oh, not yeah that, we're not that audience um i might have to i might have to cut this podcast short though i, I kind of want to watch one cut of the dead bro <laughs> yeah it's not very too long is it um no yeah, but the problem is you then have to watch all the features and yeah. everything else because it's the whole package man it's the whole package hmm. i want to watch director cam Moving Sorry, on, because I'm, there's I'm a lot. Back. There's a lot of news, and you're delaying us. Um, <laughs> so next up, we have um, kind of what Edgar Wright's next movie is going to be, and this is another. I his current movie. <laughs> yeah, this is another um, repercussion of the kind of the delays in COVID. Is and we've we discussed so many of these in the news this year, where it's like movies have done they're in the can we haven't seen them yet but then the other projects are being greenlit after that because of course they are continuing to do this so it's not like edgar wright's just going to sit twiddling his thumbs waiting for his awesome movie to come out um but yeah this is not what i want from edgar wright i don't know if this is what many people want maybe they do i don't know but once again deadline deadline is reporting that edgar wright's next movie will be a new adaptation of the stephen king I'm just going to say novel because I don't want to say classic. Um, the Running Man, um, and yeah, I learned this week that that Stephen King wrote The Running Man. Because... <laughs> I, I learned approximately ten seconds ago that Stephen King wrote The Running Man. Yeah, because I wouldn't say it's known as being a King novel. Um, and also, yeah, I literally only know about, of course, the the Arnold movie from the 80s, which I know people have a reverence for, but I have no idea if it's like a you know is it a bad movie that people like do people like it because of that i really don't know um but... uh, all of those all of those arnold movies are in that similar <laughs> vein aren't they kind of i i get so confused between like what the running man is versus like total recall versus yeah, Raver, definitely. like definitely. all of those but they're they're all fantastic in their own way yeah exactly because they had that like you say the 80s charm and the, arnold. the, the running the running man was basically manhunt though wasn't it with arnold schwarzenegger yeah, it sounds cool, like the story. Yeah. And it yeah. sounds like kind of reading a little bit into it, that like Wright seems to want to really, um, you know, it's not really so much as a remake as it is a proper adaptation of the novel because it seems like back then there was a lot more of, oh, we're just going to take the source material and just kind of mm. run with it and do what we want. So it seems like there's a lot there where it will be a very different movie to that original movie. Um, but like as far as Edgar Wright's involvement, for me personally, I've like, 
I love him being original. Um, and like to me, one of his, if not his least, well, it's not his worst movie because I really don't like the the world's end. But like, I didn't like when he was dealing with Scott Pilgrim and those characters because they were already established. Um, in the same vein, when he was on board of Ant Man, I was like, oh, it's cool that he's doing Ant Man, but like that's its own different thing. Mm. Um, so I love when Edgar Wright does completely original stuff, like Hot Fuzz, like Shaun of the Dead, like Baby Driver, and then hopefully like Last Night in Soho, um, because he's such a creative talent. He's one of those people like a Tarantino where because Tarantino's talked loads about wanting to work in different franchises, ranging from Star Trek to Star Wars to all these different things. And it's like, those franchises don't need you. Like, you, we need you. No, to the, the, prob- the problem is, is that, like, these these guys are so passionate about the mm. genre and they have such a love that they want to get involved in the things they love. And, yeah. like, um, this project is obscure enough for me to get excited about. Hmm. Like I like I really like the concept of Running Man. I remember like digging that Arnie movie back in the day for the banter. Um and like yeah, like it as an idea. If if he could make it super dark and super gritty and kinda put his own spin on it, like I'm I'm reasonably excited for it. Like, yeah, obviously my dream is for him to be like, I'm doing a Edgar Wright original horror movie. But like hmm. I feel like this is at least we never know if Edgar, Edgar's going to stay in the, the wheelhouse of the genre or not. And this definitely is that. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm at least, you know, reason pleasantly surprised from where you began that story. Yeah, it's always cool hearing that he's got something running up. And yeah, like I shouldn't be as down on it because I haven't seen the movie, haven't read the book. You know, I know a basic synopsis. So like if this was presented to me as an original Edgar Wright idea, I would have, you know, viewed it very differently. And it would, it, for all I know, it could have been so you know take that with a grain of salt um but yeah it's, it's cool i just want to see his next movie obviously um and then yeah lastly the, the very small update where we'll, we'll actually have more of this to talk about i believe next week um but yeah we have a date for a jack a zach snyder movie um which isn't a four-hour cut of a four-year-old movie um oh, no. I don't, i'm not interested in <laughs> which is are probably... we gonna are we gonna re- revisit our podcast on it <laughs> yeah oh god <laughs> did we actually no we no we didn't do that we definitely oh, didn't no we didn't do that did Thankfully. we <laughs> because that is still one of the worst we, movies i've ever seen um, we, re- we realized that we were a horror podcast by the time that movie came out <laughs> i realized that i had no interest in watching those movies because i didn't even watch it in the cinema and then eventually watched it at home and i was like i think I we also realized that the super horror bro should be a horror movie related. yes um <laughs> But either way, it's we're not talking about that abomination. We're talking <laughs> about his actual new movie, which is his return to the zombie genre. Mm. Uh, he made a very good zombie movie called Dawn of the Dead Remake. Never heard of it. And he is now returning um, for Army of the Dead, which is his kind of major Netflix production um, with a whole host of big name actors in it. It seems like it's this insane budgeted thing. Bruce that Campbell? Was, that was, um, you know, it was this was greenlit way before like the Schneider mm. Cup reality oh yeah uh, this was announced ages ago i'd forgotten about it but yeah. i remember this was announced absolutely ages ago yeah at least three or four years ago um but it's coming may 21st to netflix um and i believe the first trailer comes out this week um Dang so on, is, this, is this a feature or a tv show it's a feature nice and yeah we should we we got we've got more screens we've got posters and the release date and it seems mm-hmm. like the trailer's dropping this week um so if it does we'll have that to talk about next week um but yeah, that is pretty much it for the news. I had some movies jotted down here that I want to talk about, but I'm definitely going to save this for next week um, because of how much news we had, where yeah. I had basically just come across uh, five movies that are kind of upcoming in the next couple of months that I wanted to put the spotlight on because they all sound really cool. And I just wanted to kind of give them their time of day because like, we always talk about these big releases and then like movies like this week, for example. Yeah, is just new- come out. 
Yeah, and it's like I've I've thought a lot about this movie this week. We just haven't done it on air because it's not this big release. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll save that for like a quiet week um, mm. for sure. Um, and then yeah, lastly, kind of just a final reminder uh, for our wonderful Blu-ray giveaway. Um, obviously announced it fully last week and given you guys a week to enter, but there's still a couple of more days on it um, as of recording. So sort of by the time you listen to this, uh, it closes on the 26th of February. And yeah, as we discussed in, in more detail last week, all you have to do is just leave us a review on your podcast service of choice, uh, screenshot it and then send it to us on Twitter or via email. Uh, both the links are in the description. And yeah, you will enter for a chance to win St. Maud for the UK on Blu-ray, um, the Record Collection, uh, as far as for the States, well, there was Creepshow 1 and 2, a whole host of lovely Blu-rays. Um, so get yeah, involved. have a look on our Twitter for that, because there really is a whole, there's a ton of Blu-rays that are there that all look fantastic. For sure. So yeah, definitely you don't want to miss out on this one. Um, but yeah, that is it for this week. Shall we talk about this week's film? Let's do it. Let's talk about The Stylist. So yeah, like we said at the start of the show, um, this one is coming exclusively via Arrow. Um, of Ooh. course, they have their kind of, I guess, newly rebranded streaming service. Yeah, re- relaunched. I don't know how it how it is overseas, like mm. where it was and how it is now. But obviously, in the UK, it was fixed to to Amazon Prime, so it was a sub subscription to Amazon Prime. So you, it was a paywall behind a paywall. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's its own standalone platform. Um, I haven't looked to see whether there's like apps and stuff um, readily available, like on on all platforms at this point. There, there is, but it's a case of um, so on the on the link it says Arrow is available in the US, Canada, and UK on Roku, Apple TV, and iOS devices, Android TV, and mobile devices, as well as Fire TV and all web browsers. Um, so I, I assume it will come to like other platforms, but that's pretty much most of the major ones, really, other than games consoles, I guess. Um, and yeah, it was kind of rebranded because it was, I think it was like Arrow Video Channel, um, whereas they basically just call it Arrow now. Um, yeah. You know, Arrow Streaming Service, really. That's kind of just the name is Arrow. Um, and yeah, this is a exclusive for them where they picked it up last year. This was at Fright Fest, um, the Halloween edition last year. Right so that was the digital only thing and obviously arrow was still involved in that and then they picked this up i believe off the back of that and yeah for people that don't know especially for arrow video kind of obviously they're most known for their amazing uh limited blu-ray releases for the likes of microwave uh massacre um mm-hmm. like that um but they also bring us new i love movies. that's where you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but they they also bring us new movies like the incredible lords of chaos that was one that mm-hmm. they got behind and they promoted they released in uk cinemas which we got to see which was so fantastic um yeah. as well as released a lovely blu-ray of it so it's really cool that they're getting into like the more dis- d- distribution of new films i think that's so cool to see definitely, definitely. Um, this and- one this one is only on their platform right there's the so. video yeah because yeah. kind of similar to what happened to um what was it serial killer's guide to life yeah um, yeah so it's exclusive yeah. on there and it's coming march 1st um so next week um so yeah mm. we won't really be talking spoilers because this movie's not out yet um <laughs> but uh yeah other than that really i guess go in, dive into the plot yeah okay i mean i think um yeah this is one like i said i kind of vaguely remember it from the halloween fright fest but haven't really thought about it since um i think kind of 
was it was it going to be at the original Fright Fest as well, or was it just when it got onto digital? I can't quite remember. I couldn't tell you that. <laughs> no, but I remember, But yeah, basically, this um, we meet Claire, our kind of lead character, who is the stylist, and she is a hairstylist that um, kind of becomes obsessed with her clients and um, slowly kind of wants to rip their scalp off and wear it on her own head. <laughs> um, you know, I'd say that's a fairly accurate representation of Claire, would you not? Yes. <laughs> um, she's a scalper. She's a scalper. Um, and yeah, we we kind of get this in the opening scene, really, where she, um, you know, conveniently is late night, uh, staying in the salon, cutting someone's hair, and it all goes down. And the opening scene alone had me cringing. I don't know about you. But I was like, this movie has me cringing like instantly. I thought it was a really strong opening scene. You, you um, talking about like the violence? Yeah, the violence and just like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't truly expecting it. And just when it happened, it really made me cringe. And I was like, yeah. God, this movie's gone for it in the opening scene. Um, and then it it kind of takes a step back from there thereafter, and we kind of <clears throat> kind of see Claire kind of. Um, I wouldn't really say stalking for like a next victim. She's not really doing that. She just kind of is living her life and slowly starts to develop a new obsession Mm. and kind of the, the whole kind of um, rest of the movie is kind of Claire getting this friendship with Olivia, um, her, one of her uh, clients and kind of ends up, yeah, developing a real life friendship with her and ends up kind of, getting involved with with Olivia's wedding um, and and kind of getting this friendship from that, but also kind of struggling with this desperate want to to cut her scalp off and wear it on her head. Mm. Um, And kind of like that's that's the rest of the movie, kind of kind of Claire's struggle, really, of her kind of dark obsession, but wanting, you know, it kind of, you know, she, she wants to have this relationship and normal life, but is just struggling with this, 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 other dark side of herself for the rest mm. of the movie really yeah um and yeah i think that's you know after the synopsis like yeah seeing this movie like i said i i watched the first 10 minutes and i was i thought it was a really strong opening you know i, I really like claire i like the setup i thought you know this is something a bit different i liked what she does and it's kind of it's very violent it's very in your face and kind of then the fact that she's kind of um and again this is this is 10 minutes into the movie i don't think it's spoilery but um you know she she kind of puts the scalp on and is kind of being a bit kind of norman bates ish and and um uh Silence of Lamish, isn't she, with it, where she's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, trying to embody the, her victim and she says phrases that her victim said and is kind of trying to be that person in the mirror. And it's kind of very, very sinister, very, you know, kind of very Norman Bates-ish, I think, and kind of becoming that character. And I kind of, I was really digging that vibe. And then the movie takes like quite a quite a step away from that where very early on she then develops this friendship and... um the friendship makes her kind of want to stop what she's doing. And she kind of puts that on a shelf. And I'm like, I've only just got a glimpse of this world. I want more of you being psycho, Olivia. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, Claire, even. Um, and um, I want to see you do more scalping and, and doing that more. And then maybe meeting Olivia kind of 
three or four victims in instead of this soon and then kind of it became more drama-ish for a chunk Mm. and kind of um very very early on i got i got a smell of this movie has an end game this movie (laughs) this movie has a final vision in its mind and it's it's really gearing towards that and then kind of by by the hour mark i knew what the final I knew where the final of the movie would be, the, the finale of the movie would be. Mm. And then just before we got into the finale of the movie, I was like, I know what their end scene is going to be. And it, and it was exactly that. And it, it, it worked. And, and, you know, like it was, you know, I, I still, I still like the movie. Like I still thought it was, I still thought it was good. Like I, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed Claire. I enjoyed seeing her kind of in these moments of madness and doing what she did. But I kind of, we never truly got to see her in her prime, <laughs> like mm. just going and scalping. And we never really got a lot of rationale behind her because she's so messed up and she's so troubled. She can barely function as a human being um, at times and has these breakdowns and stuff. And I never, you know, I never really understood why. And and I kind of, you know, I if they're going to deep, deep dive that much into her kind of fighting back and not wanting to be this person that she is, I needed to know why she's the person that she is and why does she want to change? And we just never really got any of the why in this movie. So, so that's why, you know, it, it fell short in those parts for me. Um, but, but yeah, like I said, I still, you know, I still enjoyed this one to, to a point. Hmm. Yeah. Th- this was a really difficult one for me having when, when I finished it, because kind of, as I went to make my notes on it, there was a lot of the kind of typical criticism. Mm. Mm. Up and it was it became almost like the the bingo card of things that we don't like in films not not to the extent of like really aggressive but even yeah. like, you've already touched on most of them and especially it's funny because yeah you, you've talked a lot about it and it seems like it's just i wish you hadn't have even put it in my mind yeah i know but the whole concept of you know we have this final image that we're trying to get to and so we pretty much rewrote the story backwards to get to that point it's become Um, a thing hasn't it well it really has and i was trying to think about it more because there are great examples of it in movies that work um as well so like midsummer is a great example um yeah of like they they clearly had that end image in mind because it worked so well and you don't just get to that after you after you've already written the story and then you're like oh and i suddenly have the perfect way to end this film um so it can work for sure but i think it's it's when the movie is just a little bit too shallow and it doesn't really earn it and this is unfortunately one of those movies where again it's 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 not a um huge criticism because like you say the final scene does work it is cool visually and it's impressive um i just wish that they had like done a bit more to get to that moment because i agree with you like we only really get glimpses of claire throughout the whole film and mm. this is a character study it is she is the main character we are with her throughout what you know pretty much 100 percent of the scenes yeah. of the film and so at that and it's a long film as well this is like clocks in at 100 minutes um so i wanted to really know this character inside and out by the time we got mm. to that moment the same way we do with danny in midsummer and the same way we do with maud at the end of saint maud um 
And I didn't feel that with Claire. I, I still feel like I barely knew anything about her. I was like, okay, yeah. she's on the on the surface, she's um, not what you'd expect for a serial killer, which I think was really cool. She's mm. a really attractive uh, woman who is also seemed to be popular. She's very successful, and she from the exterior, she seems like she's living just a great normal life. And then mm. once you dig into it, there's, there's a lot of issues going on where it's kind of any sort of social interaction that is outside of her job she completely fails at um and i think that was cool like early on seeing her in a coffee shop and yeah. kind of a worker trying to be nice with her being like oh do you want the usual and she's just kind of like so regimented and can't get out of her own head that she's just so like looking at the ground and just states her order really matter-of-factly and she can't even have that kind of general back and forth with a with a nice word yeah well, well it was almost with that one it was that she'd she'd seen blood on her boot and she, yeah. she was distracted by that and she kind of she couldn't snap back into her fake clear act and she showed like what she truly was because i think like everything of her being normal is an act mm. you know and, and none of it's real but it's kind of throughout the movie you kind of forget that because you get you just get this fake layer of the, the fake Claire, and you never really know what you know it's the why like i said we just didn't get the why yeah and it, she just never really breaks that that much for me mm -hmm. like you need to see those more moments of like it really reminded me of maniac at times mm -hmm. and kind of like digging more into that character and when they snap and seeing who they really are especially like you say with silence of the lambs but it, it, it was she was the serial killer she was doing all the crazy kills but then it was the facade was constantly up and we as a viewer never got to get past that um mm -hmm. we do a little bit like say for that moment and obviously going not talking spoilers but there are moments later on where we do get to see a little bit more of that but for me watching the movie especially with the 100 minute runtime i wanted a lot more from this character um because i thought there was so much potential there i think like the acting from everyone was really good yeah. um i thought visually the movie worked super well as well especially for like an indie movie i thought it just looked really nice um but like i said i wanted more because um, I could have had pretty much the same experience come out of it and it could have been 70 minutes and I would have had a better time. Um, and I don't like, I'm always so on the fence about having these conversations because I get that it's something that we talk about a lot, but like it needs to be talked about and especially with indie movies. And like, I get it. It's, I get why it happens. Right. Because making any movie is a goddamn miracle. And like every yeah. indie filmmaker deserves a medal for it. Um, My God, so, so, so when you get the chance to make this movie and the idea that you created in your head gets put on screen, which is something that is so wonderful and fantastic. And oh. you shoot all these scenes, you want <laughs> In there as possible because of course you're gonna be like well well we have all this great stuff and we're just going to use everything and i feel like it's really difficult like well, most of these indie movies need an independent regulator as an editor yeah. you're like do you need this scene does this scene need to go on for this long because that was the main issue i had and we talk about this a lot of its pacing i think most scenes in this movie are pretty pivotal and pretty good but almost all of them go on for too long um yeah. and they could have shaved yeah them. you have like the bachelor bachelorette party you have hmm. kind of like claire coming over to olivia's house and they're all really good scenes but yeah they overstay their welcome i think kind of what you said there like you know the movie really does look fantastic um the 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 violence looks really good but just throughout the whole movie it looks great and it, it is also very well acted like if you are sat there in the editing room you're like well it all looks great and everything's well acted like how do i cut it down and it's like you really you really do have to be strict on yourself because i think it is like you say two of the most common things that we talk about that we try to 
not talk about as much as we do, but we have to, our runtime and also this the movie that is like good and it just could have been great. Like this is a movie that I feel like could have batted a lot a lot higher. You know, it had all of the elements. It just didn't get tight enough. And 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 I think that's the part that that I kind of you know, I'm not I'm not frustrated by it because I still enjoyed the movies, you know, but I really I could have really loved this movie if it had just got a little little bit tighter and a little bit more in 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 those areas. Mm. Yeah, like there's not a huge leap between you mentioned it earlier as like serial killer mm. died to life, like how mm. much we thoroughly enjoyed that movie to something like this. And it's not a big leap because all the talents there. No, it's, it's and, tiny, and really. Yeah, and they're ticking a lot of the boxes. But then once you have to review and we have to get kind of really into the nitty gritty of it, it just there are certain things like having way too much footage that makes them like 100 minutes for an indie movie is a long watch. And you have to have a lot going on. And this is a very small story, which can work fantastically. Again, as the movies we keep mentioning, like St. Maud is a tiny film with like almost even less going on than this movie has, Mm. but it works. And so it's hard to tell a story about one character where you're really not going to dig deep into her too much. You're not really going to show too many scenes where she like fully breaks and shows her real self. Um, and then it's too long. And it, and like you said as well, like I had the same realization as you did where an hour in, I was like, well, I know the final scene of this film mm. and that would have been fine if the movie was 70 minutes long, because then it would have been a brisk 10 minutes and we'd have got it. Whereas thinking about, well, how are we going to get to this scene? over the next 40 minutes that is a different conversation Mm. um so that like i'm i'm disappointed not with the movie but in the sense of like i'm totally with you of i can see why arrow picked this up i can see why it has so many merits and i can see why a lot of people should check this out um but there's like there's just moments that i'm really frustrated i wish there was a little bit more this is one of those movies that maybe needed an extra subplot to take care of um like early on the initial character that is talking to claire like there was quite a lot there with that character mm-hmm. and she kind of and then she's gone and and she's gone from the film and i almost would have liked more repercussions from that scene because they set up some really cool stuff in terms of her as a hairdresser um <laughs> i've really not seen in a film where it was like this character was saying and this is obviously in the literally the first scene of the film um where she's saying like she admits that she's like cheating on her husband and then claire's like well, why would yeah. you tell me that and she's like well you're a stranger like when i when you're going to be gone from my life forever <clears> and <throat> dies with you and i was like that's such a cool yeah i i got massive dexter vibes mm. from this almost where i kind of felt like she was this because when when she was in killer mode she was very calm and calculated and methodical and Mm -hmm. and really believable um and then when she was the stylist the hairstylist she was in that opening scene it felt like she was vetting people and she kind of like made her decision with this woman that she in her mind deserves it you know she's cheating on her husband she's openly admitting to it and she's being a bad person mm. and i kind of you know i, I don't know whether <laughs> i just really want dexter like more dexter but i kind i i would i'm getting it maybe um <laughs> but you know i just was I, I was into that i was really i was so into that opening scene and was like oh, i can't wait until she's next in the chair and someone else comes in and I'm trying to figure out whether that person's a scumbag or not and is going to get it. And then, like, we didn't really get that because we just got Olivia and then we got the whole Olivia story. And, yeah, I I just, yeah, I really like that. I think as well, like, I don't know whether you um, had seen this, but this is a, this was a short. 
Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, um, yeah, by the 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 director, but also the actress that plays Claire was in the short. Yeah, um, and so like, yeah, this is a fifteen minute short. Like, um, kind of, you know, it, it again is this is like it really is a checklist of this was probably an absolutely banging short, and then they've just padded it out too much to get it mm-hmm. to a feature. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it it really is our checklist of of things that 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 can go wrong with indie. Well, and that's the thing, like, we see a lot of indie movies, especially in the last year, and so you do start to see these same conventions and what is a good film like this, and then what makes those the real standouts of, like, the Life Changer and the Psycho Goreman and these ones that just somehow, above all the odds, really stand out as an indie movie and just somehow don't have any of these problems that we're discussing. But then, yeah, a lot of the times, like, this very much reminded me of quite a few Fright Fest films we've seen, where it was like, oh, there's a really cool concept here, but it just wasn't fully fleshed out and the talents there and everyone did their best job they could but just overall there was just something missing and we've said that for at least five films we've seen at fright first definitely but i think as well this you know this is good you know this is this is a good film you know and it it is very well made and very well acted and i think if you are if you're not watching um, a horror movie every week and reviewing it for a horror podcast you know Mm. if you are a horror fan and want to stick this on and, and you've got arrow like i think this this is a fun watch and it, and, and you know it, it's it's a unique idea as well i really i really like this idea of this stylist doing it and kind of having this this really terrifying um woman killer who is you know doing this job and kind of hiding in in plain sight like i said the opening scene was so good like i feel like that opening scene was basically what the short was Mm. because the opening scene where she is um kind of closing up the salon and kind of covering up because obviously like you you know a hairdresser's slash salon has like the big glass front window that everyone can see inside so she's kind of covering that up and slowly getting the kill ready and like i just I really loved how methodical she was with that and her execution mm. of it. And, and yeah, we just, we never got that again, did we? Like no. we never got that kill again. Like yeah. not, you know, not that I need the exact same thing, but you know, that kind of prepared one ever after that, she was trying to stop and was kind of having relapses almost. And just kind of mm. these off the moment kills. And I, and I really just wanted her to be the methodical claire that we saw in that opening scene more yeah it was like what you said earlier it felt like we caught her almost at the end of her journey mm. where like she'd probably been doing this she'd maybe done it half a dozen times yeah she's got scalps all over the shop at yeah home. and then realize like oh no i need to somehow get out of this mental block and, and become a better person and then that's the story we saw yeah because like like you say <laughs> her level of control in that scene was what was so mm. cool and interesting whereas later on she is way more hectic and way more like doesn't really have a plan just kind of like acts with in the moment and just reacts to what's around her um and and yeah like i do think a movie like this can be awesome because we we see a lot of movies but we don't really see a huge amount that are just focused on like one serial killer and Mm. especially one that doesn't really have like messages all over the shop in terms of morality and like other things it is pretty much just like here's this killer living their life Mm. um at least that's what i got from it like there is more messages in there in terms of kind of like her mental state and like why she's scalping people um yeah, but we don't ever get told that. So. No, exactly. And I, I, do, I do wish that that was like a little bit more fleshed out as well because it's cool and visually it's awesome, but I never really got a sense of like 
what is really going on here? Because especially a couple of the bits where there's like a bit where they look in a magazine and she's kind of like, oh, I wish I could have my hair like that. And it was just a really generic haircut. And it was like, mm-hmm. you, you could have you, your hair you like do that. that. Yeah. yeah, like you have long, nice hair. Like you could easily style it and cut it into any shape or design that you like. So yeah, I'm, I'm no hairdresser, but you are. You could do that. Yeah, so like I wonder if there's a different story. And like, I know this is not what they're getting about because kind of I think the hair is more a metaphor for other stuff. But like if this was a character that maybe had an illness or a disease, so then the hair wasn't, you know, as nice as they perhaps wanted it to. Yeah. Like I wonder if there was something that, that they can maybe dig in a little yeah. deeper. Yeah, it's not really what they were going for. Um, but yeah, overall. Yeah, it's difficult. But yeah, it was kind of like, you know, like you say, the whole scalping of people and the trophy behind that is quite a unique thing and the way she wears the scalp but we never just we never really got why she did it mm. and yeah i would have liked it if you know she she is in kind of embodying that person i would have liked it if we'd have kind of seen her try to experience that a bit more mm. um i really liked her to to do the whole pretty woman wearing someone's scalp like <laughs> down the high street like you know? yeah, see i just wanted like the the silence of the lambs like dancing in front of the mirror with all the scalps on <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would have that would have that would have done its job as well <laughs> um but yeah where, where would you go as far as recommendations for this one um i think you know i mean if you've got if you've got the arrow subscription i because i think you know when you've got the when you've got a movie like this i'm, I'm always trying to look at the paywall behind it mm. if, if this movie if you can watch this movie then i think you know it's it's decent it's good if it's if you have to pay for the subscription to get it it's not a subscription you know swayer Mm. um but i think yeah if you've already got the subscription then this new horror that's on there i think it's a good first step for arrow to Mm. start to get stuff on there i i don't you know i don't really know what they're going to be doing with their subscription platform like i don't see what the the end game is for it because they're very different to to like a shudder do you know what i mean and it's kind of like you know they have their they have their blu-rays they have all of that stuff and then they're kind of dipping their toe into this and then kind of like you know, something like the stylist, even with this, like if they put out a really nice Blu-ray of this, I'd probably want to buy it. Yeah, like, I, I do like this movie and like I'd quite like to have the short on there and kind of, you know, a director's commentary and making of like I, I'd, I'd be down for that. And like a really mm. cool art, arrow artwork on it, um, you know, much like Serial Killer's Guide to Life. But they kind of put it behind this paywall, but they don't do it with everything and they, they just don't. You know, I'm just not quite sure what their game is right now. Yeah, but... it's interesting. It seems like it's very much a different take, a different kind of tactic from them. And obviously mm. we are so used to what has worked well for them for so long. And so, like, it's hard for us as fans of Arrow to be like, okay, it's a, it's a subscription-based service that you have these other different movies on. Um, so, so you know, I, do can, I definitely can see them both coexisting. And I definitely think something like this film, and even Serial Killer's Guide to Life, yeah. much, we loved it from Fright Fest. These level of movies, it's very hard to kind yeah, of... how many Blu-rays are they going to sell? Like... Yeah, whereas just adding to that portfolio, getting you on the subscription service, then you watch a few classics, and then you're like, oh, you guys released like a sick Blu-ray of one of my favourite movies. You know, you, oh, you guys did Robocop. I'll go buy that. So i think it all feeds into the same thing and is about building a brand um mm. but yeah overall for recommendations yeah it's really difficult for me I, I really i did like this movie but like i am frustrated with the length and i think that's where my recommendation comes in is kind of like if you are someone who doesn't mind a longer movie in terms of maybe oh, it's so hard to say like because <laughs> i don't want to say waste your time but that's what i was thinking of saying but that sounds way too rude like 
Yeah, I'm someone who I'm it a bit more aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit more aggressive with run times. Where if I can enjoy a movie and be like, that was cool, but it should have been thirty minutes shorter. That's how I feel. Whereas I think a lot of people, if you think that's cool, you don't really care about the runtime. And so mm. if that's you, this is for you. But if you are someone that is a bit like, I've seen one too many movies that just go on a little bit too long. Maybe this isn't for you. Um, but yeah, like you say, it's coming to Arrow <laughs> next week. Um, they do do a thirty day free trial. Um, so that's cool to sign up for and yeah i think uh, subscriptions are like five dollars a month at the minute as well um so yeah it's, it's definitely one one to check out like i'm really curious whether like i'm gonna have to go on to the actual service and, and have a look what's on there because i'm curious if like is everything on there um, no well it, it wasn't i haven't checked recently yeah but... like can you just throw on a lords of chaos and like all their other new pickups as well as obviously a lot of the older stuff um, no like a lot is on there but not everything yeah and that obviously um, goes to what we talk about a lot doesn't it with like restrictions and all that stuff yeah um and like because i think when i last looked like it was around about the time robocop was had been out a little while Mm. And like that wasn't on there and that sort of thing and like i don't yeah. know whether there's time stuff but obviously you know there's all of these different rights and everything as well that there's a whole new world of headache <laughs> but you know yeah it, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely it's trying to get one. you know getting streaming rights in this day and age is like <laughs> it might even be more difficult than just getting the rights to these films yeah to i was gonna say getting out. the streaming rights to like robocop is probably <laughs> yeah. an absolute minefield <laughs> yes which version there's five different versions of it um yeah. but yeah that was our discussion of the stylist uh, we'll take a short break and we will be right back So yeah, that is pretty much it for another week. Um, you, have you been watching anything lately? I've been absolutely binging something that will get you very excited, but Ooh. might not get a lot of listeners very excited. <laughs> um, think, what would that be? <laughs> I'm I'm late. I'm very late to the party of it. And, and the only reason why I bring it up for the podcast really is Are you rewatching um, No, um, <laughs> I've been watching The Last Dance. Oh, um, right. Okay. Yeah, that's very random to talk about. Huh? Very random. But the reason why I bring it up, and I'm not going to go into it for long, but it's just the, the level of quality of this documentary is just out of this world. And it, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm six episodes in. I've watched six episodes in the past week. <laughs> and um, like uh, uh, someone who was very aware of Jordan and the Bulls over that time, but really didn't know the specifics of anything in truth of it is is just fascinating to see and i think the way they capture it is so perfect and i think kind of i'm i I look at this and i just i hope that they can set this as a blueprint for things to come because it's what i love so much about some of the horror documentaries that have come out recently the the dawn of the dead um second sight you see i'm bringing it around um (laughs) the way that they had the in the moment features, but then these retrospective look backs as well. And I think kind of, that's what I loved about that Dawn of the Dead hearing Tom Savini, like talking about the movie 30 years on is, is fun to see and watch and, and like enough time has passed and kind of this documentary and captures it perfectly because they have this on site in extensive footage in a pivotal year of his career. But then the documentary perfectly cuts back, through his entire kind of career 
pre that and also you know it's him modern day and everyone modern day talking about it mm. i shit my pants when barack obama popped up <laughs> but i wasn't expecting that um but yeah I, ju- I just think it's fantastic and i just i just love it and how honest and everyone kind of is is talking about it now and kind of um yeah it it it, it really is something special that i think even if you if you've, you you have to have a passion for sport i think um, but that's that's all you need. I, I think you you can't not like sport and watch this documentary. But you you don't have to have an affinity for basketball at all to like this documentary. Mm. Um, but I think I think you, the, the only thing you do need is an affinity for sport and and that that side of things. Yeah, I, I loved everything about the last dance. It was something that I was super excited for from the second it got announced years mm. ago. And then I remember watching it weekly, and it was my favorite thing at the time. I think it's easily the best sports documentary ever made, and honestly, yeah. it might be the best documentary ever made. Like I've yeah. seen a hell of it's a lot of documentaries, there. and it is per ten out of ten. And like I watched it week for week, so I'm definitely going to rewatch it and binge it um, as well yeah. to have a different oh, experience. But yeah, it, it's just perfect, um, and especially like Netflix because I recently I can't remember whether I said on the podcast, but I did watch that Cecil Hotel documentary i spoke to you about it didn't mm, I? yeah and and kind of um you know that is very much advertised as a bit of a horror you know kind of um murder mystery type thing and it's just an outrageously long documentary for a very simple really short thing if that had been an hour documentary i'd have dug it but instead it was was it four parts i think i can't remember now three or four parts of an hour long and it just it was it, it was at least three or four times longer than it needed to be mm. and it was just this typical netflix where it was half an hour of filler 10 minutes of content everything in the last dance is content there, there was a 20 minute segment of him talking about jordans and i was like i would watch a documentary on this <laughs> yeah definitely like, like everything about it was fantastic yeah, like they, I'm like they didn't talk about Space Jam enough. <laughs> they should have yeah. had a whole episode. Yeah, um, I, I, you're telling me there's not episode seven's not not Space Jam. <laughs> Damn it, you'll get there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Um, I did actually remember we actually had some emails this week to talk about. Mm. So yeah, if you always want to get in touch, uh, Super Horror Bros Podcast at Gmail dot com. Um, but yeah, we do have one from Amy, um, who was entering our kind of giveaway, um, who also said, uh, long time US listener here. Um, I was so excited to hear about your giveaway. Um, they added the, the, the review below. Um, also just want to say, keep up the awesome work. Your show was the first place I heard about St. Maud and I was hyped ever since. I finally got to watch it last week and loved it. It's currently only, av- only available through Epic streaming over here in the States. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, Amy. It's always great to hear from like listeners who have never really got involved before. Um, mm. And especially when we we got you onto one of our favorite movies from last year um that always excites me yeah uh, it was awesome to see that email because i think like you say i think this this giveaway is a nice way for hopefully longer listeners to reach out for the first time because it is cool to hear because we don't necessarily you know it, it's difficult for us to see any sort of number sometimes i feel like we are talking into a avoid and then you know to, to get that feedback and to hear from people is always fantastic definitely especially because like on the socials you know we only have twitter and so like there's a mm. lot of people who just don't have twitter um yeah so it is nice to hear you of course that's why we always have the email there um and yeah we had another one from sean of course the king of blu-rays um mm-hmm. of course talking about blu-rays because that's what sean does um, he, he's found he's found a slightly different way to watch saint maud <laughs> yeah um so yeah he uh, said he just got his copy of saint maud today from the uk um see so yeah, i'm curious with like with the release of this one because obviously i saw that it only got you know it got a very limited theatrical release whatever that means in the states i have no idea um right. and it was uh, like it was exclusively streamed on this epic surface uh, uh, service so i'm i'm wondering whether like 
because I'm the A24 were behind this in the state. Mm. Like, are they going to release a US Blu-ray at some point? I mean, they do release some really sick Blu-rays, so maybe yeah. we'll get that in like a year or two. Um, but for now, he's got the UK one. Um, so yeah, he says he's going to watch it and let us know how he uh, what he thinks of it. So I really hope you enjoy it, Sean. Um, mm. Yeah, I can't wait. I really hope we get an email for next week. Yeah, um, he also says, I got my limited special edition of my favorite horror movie of 2019, The Nightingale. Um, I know you guys didn't like this one, but I'm obviously stoked to have this edition of the film. And yeah, it looks absolutely lovely. It's, uh, I believe this is... Sean, does Sean know Us and Midsummer came out in 2019? <laughs> 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 I'm only giving him shit. Um, but I, I saw this Blu-ray, it looked fantastic. Yeah, and it's like just another one of these ones. It looks similar to yeah. kind of what we're getting from Raven Banner with Psycho Goreman, where mm. it looks like this is only limited to 2000 and has like yeah. all the extras. But I love that just so many other companies are doing this now. Like, of course, Second Sight are absolutely brilliant anyway. Mm. Um, but it's great these level of movies are getting this care and this love because mm. like, like the movie we just I'm... talked about, like these are very small movies that live yeah. or die on the fan base. And so it's cool that they're getting these these special editions. And like I saw that, I, I did see the special edition and I was like, it was almost nice enough for me to be like, I might give this movie another punt, like on this <laughs> Blu-ray, because it looks so lovely. Yeah. Like the artwork is fantastic and all of the features. Um, so yeah, like, it, yeah, like you say, it's great that these things exist. Like I, I can't wait until the day that, that's, that our version of Psycho Girl Man arrives. Like I, I don't want to get too excited <laughs> because I still don't believe it exists. I've been but... so close to watching it in the last week. Like so many times I was like, oh, I really want to watch this film. I know. But yeah, hopefully it will come. They say March, so hopefully next week. Um, but yeah, <laughs> March 1st, I'll be ringing him up. Um, but uh, he also goes on to say, we definitely need a special edition of The Lighthouse. Hell, motherfucking yeah. yes, we do. Yeah. Um, he says, we have great editions for Ari Aster and Jennifer Kent. Not sure why we haven't seen one for Robert Eggers yet. Hopefully one is on the horizon. Yeah, like what is going on there? Like the, the, What I will say is the bog standard Blu-ray is awesome because it yeah. has the commentary, which is incredible commentary from robert um as well as some really cool behind the scenes so they did a good job for a basic release but yeah i want one of these crazy versions because especially if they do that like if in a similar vein with the midsummer stuff i know yeah lighthouse wasn't a24 was it i don't think um wait was it was it in the states no i think it was oh, wasn't i don't it? know what it was in the states yeah i don't know no i think it was actually now i'm thinking about it yeah lighthouse was a24 in the states um so yeah they, they could do a similar one like they did with midsummer and then i'd be like oh now i've got to get them both <laughs> um but mm. uh yeah and then lastly we had one from cody um kind of talking about we obviously watched willie's wonderland that was a joy last week um and uh he was talking oh, about five nights at freddy's um which i'm not going to read out his entire email because there's, there's a lot talking about like the kind of lore of five nights and freddy's but i really appreciated the email cody mm. and i i really like that kind of that is what you've gravitated towards with this game because he was talking about how basically he really likes the games and obviously i said that i didn't like them and was kind of i think i even said like i want to hear from people who likes these games so mm. i'm really glad cody reached out um but yeah hearing about that there's actual like lore in these games that does sound really cool um and so i'm glad that's in there like i'm curious if it is something that like do you enjoy playing it is is the gameplay something you enjoy or well or is it purely kind of like because i think as well i didn't mention but like i do like the visual aesthetic of those games i think, I think that's why i liked the animatronics in willy's wonderland it was for me yeah. it was purely the gameplay where i was like it seems like there's not much there and it seems like it's just based around jump scares um, i you know i, I kept quite quiet last week when you're on your rant about it mainly mainly because like i don't have an opinion because i've not played the games mm. but like they are they are a, it is a franchise that i've looked at a few times and i remember like it came to switch and i was like oh i could buy them all on the switch and play them for the first time there 
And then I was like, oh, I just don't want to pull the trigger on them all. And there's so many at this point, that, <laughs> yeah. and, and they're, they're not all numbered. So I then I, I I even back in you know when they first came to Switch, I like Googled like the 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 correct order to play them and stuff. Um, and then when I recently got my Xbox, they're all on Game Pass. Mm. So like they 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 are something that I'm that I'm sounds, constantly like thinking. <laughs> Sorry, it sounds like you're going to need to play them. Well, yeah, like I like Cody's email has like tipped tipped it back that way where they're back on my list. It's just like my my video game list is is vast right now. I have too many games consoles and not enough hours in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, like it, it yeah, I feel like it's something that I need to try because um, you know it is fun. Like um, uh, like uh, the, the the concept of it. I just need to see the gameplay. Mm. Um, and yeah, the fact that there is this law and this kind of, like I said, when I was doing my research, it seemed like there was because, you know, there was a proper chronological order to play the games. Mm. So, so yeah, thank you very much for that, Cody. He goes on mm. to say, um, cheers guys. Thanks for making awesome podcasts. Um, and then, uh, PS highly recommend color out of space, uh, pairs well with beer. Um, mm. yeah, I really want to, I really want to see that film, <laughs> Yeah, especially after the kind of all the Nick Cage funness, uh, last week. Um, but yeah, that's all the emails for this week. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, really. I guess, like, obviously, WandaVision is still a thing. Obviously, it's still amazing. <laughs> um, I did want to just briefly say, and it's not really massively talking about Wanda, but in TV in general, because we, we've had conversations off air recently um, talking about TV and kind of, mm. like, best way to cover it for the show, because I, I think we both kind of came to the realization that we're not really doing TV justice in, in its current form. And mm. you know, we're talking about a lot of movies every week. And then especially something like WandaVision, which, you know, we're, we're always we're always worried about the genre stuff. But then I think having now seen the way it's panned out and how it's the most sci-fi thing ever, you know, we could have easily talked about it from the beginning. Um, and then also the fear of spoilers, where because we don't want to really dig deep into something, we basically just say it's awesome and don't really explain why <laughs> and then just yeah. move on. So, like, I don't think we've done one division justice and, and some other shows in the past. So I think going forward, we don't have to do this this week, but I think if we are going to talk about a show weekly, we'll just do it right at the end of the show. So if you guys don't care, you can just not listen and we'll just throw up a full spoiler warning from the get go um, for the few people that are watching it. Because, like, if you are if you're interested in one division, you're going to be watching it every week. Like mm -hmm. this podcast goes up five days after it airs. So I don't think you really have to worry if you care about one division, you would have seen it by then. Um, so I think going forward, that would be a better way rather than just us so panicking about spoilers 24 7 i know i am and i think yeah we get out of our heads i think like... i think you know movie spoiler versus tv spoiler are two very mm -hmm. different worlds you know Definitely. i think kind of we've learned that in the game of thrones mandalorian era of of <laughs> Even spoiler. Mandalorian, though, we were we've still not said on air like well, no in the we, fanatics we were terrified <laughs> we haven't because i don't want to be a dick yeah but like the the rest of the world does and, and yeah. it, it, it's it's terrifying like you know um i don't know a new star wars movie could drop tomorrow mm. and there would be spoilers rife everywhere but it, it nowhere near the level of like mandalorian and like i say game of thrones i remember just feeling like like i like dirty like i needed the shower until i've watched the latest episode because i just knew that like it was this 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 thing that was like creeping up on me a spoiler and it's like i didn't even care that much to be honest but it was yeah. just like it was you know mandalorian i did but like i, I was terrified those last couple of episodes of mandalorian yeah like definitely. i knew what when does it drop in the uk like 9 a.m or something 
Yeah, well, Wanda drops at eight. I don't know if Amanda was the same. Yeah, I can't remember, but like I was terrified until I got to that evening and I managed to mm. watch it. And I did get to the point that I was like, am I just have to watch this at eight in the morning? Yeah, just just <laughs> so I don't get it spoiled. I, I, I watch Wanda like the like pretty much the second thing I do after I wake up for that reason. Because yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Whereas I want to just sit there in the evening and watch it, but. Mm. You know, it is it is a shame, and and yeah. So I think like we need to kind of you know we, we we will still be very spoiler conscious on our movie discussion. But, oh yeah, but TV it will be a different beast. Well, yeah, this is purely to do with TV, and I, I totally get mm. where you're coming from, to, especially talking about the Mando stuff. Where it's like if we opened a week show where we're going to talk about a horror movie, and we just go, "Hey, can you believe this character showed up in Mandalorian?" Like that's rude. Whereas mm. if it's right at the end of an hour long discussion, and we're like, "Right, full full spoiler warnings for One Division." thanks for listening if you don't care and then we just chat about it for five to ten minutes like that's that's absolutely fine um so yeah Yeah. going forward i just think that's a better format for the show and then 45 minutes later we realized that we're giving you two hour podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly let's talk about wandavision it was agatha all along (laughs) what an absolute banger (laughs) Uh, what a banger banger. yeah i will say just very briefly like this was not my favorite episode like i loved it because i love the show but i definitely thought the halloween show was far like vastly superior um and i mm. think it, it was mainly because of the lack of pietro and the lack of evan peters in the episode um, well it was a lack of him but there, there was a there was a you know that the vision stuff was a bit weird and kind of you know it, it, it really felt like a transitional episode definitely yeah like um, having Wanda just completely on her own and not having anyone mm. to really bounce off was disappointing and then yeah darcy and vision i was excited to see those two together and that was my least favorite coupling of of all the kind of couplings darcy has had like i think her and jimmy were excellent together and i thought yeah. her and monica had good um back and forth as well whereas her and vision just didn't really work um no and like especially with vision we we finally got to, for him to find out about his entire history of like oh you're mm. an avenger and you've died twice and all of this stuff and the fact that that just happened with like an off-screen conversation and he was just like huh that's weird like and hopefully we'll see more of his realization coming to terms with his past in the next two episodes but i did find that disappointing as well um so yeah it wasn't my favorite episode of the show but the final five minutes just is like one it might be the best moment of the show so far like even though it was the most obvious reveal ever that everyone knew was going to happen the fact that they wrapped it up in such an amazing awesome way with that Mm. song and that theme tune was just so good i've watched it so many times i just i forget that like um the the show is doing like this whole tv thing yeah, yeah. at times and then obviously then they just give you moments like that that are fantastic because obviously like the which episode was it where they were doing the talk to the the candid interview to the camera was that this episode yeah that was this week because this was yeah. the modern episode and it was it was mostly based upon modern family yeah. um, but we had the intro that was very much like the office yeah and like it was you know i i enjoyed seeing that modern take but it was kind of like i don't know like with with the old stuff i don't i never watched like old tv shows but but there was like a nostalgia and something there that felt good whereas this felt like a little bit more it felt more cheesy and and just just i don't know like it it, it definitely didn't work as well for me and i think that was why the episode was a little bit more flawed a little bit more like down than the others yeah well like this was the one i was looking forward to the most because it's the exactly. one reverence for mm. whereas i'm with you like i i just didn't think it was as funny of a device to use where we've seen a lot of people parody that style now of talking to the camera and so yeah seeing their take on it it was like okay it's cool whereas last week their take on malcolm in the middle which is like a show i have nowhere near as much mm. love 
respectful like i do like the office but like seeing them irk that i was like oh this is so cool because i've not really seen this before and it just yeah. worked a lot better well i think that's the thing like i <laughs> i'm i'm re-watching the office for i don't know the however many time right yeah. now and so <laughs> you know i'm watching multiple episodes of the office a week right now and so kind of yeah it that, i think that might be part of it for me as well <laughs> mm. but yeah it's still wonderful like i think yeah we've got two episodes now it, we we got a bit trolled as well with the runtime because there was reports coming out that it was supposed to be an hour um and it basically what where this happened was the the show was scheduled to be six hours in total and so people have kind of inferred from the run times that have happened already but yeah we've pretty much had like four hours at this point so mm. does that mean the last two are hour specials are they including the 10 12 minutes of credits every week <laughs> i hope not i'd um, say if that's the case then we've only got about 12 minutes of one of yeah <laughs> like it's so it is the worst thing about this show by far like i don't know what they're doing with these moronic credit sequences like, i get that a million people work on this but can you just put it on a pdf online or something yeah <laughs> it blows my mind because you know like when you watch something on disney plus and then it says continue watching yeah. every episode of wandavision says continue watching for me because yeah. i still have 12 minutes left yeah <laughs> I know, and it's like their algorithm on their thing hasn't like realized yet that you've actually watched all of the content. You just haven't watched the last twelve minutes of credits. But <laughs> yeah, that that final moment was awesome. I've absolutely adored Catherine Hahn throughout the whole series. I think she's mm -hmm. one of the best kind of casting of a new villain we've seen. And like, and also Monica as well. Like Monica was awesome in this episode. That was another thing I did want to talk yeah. about. Is like, this is the first time we've seen that now. Is like the rise of a new superhero in the MCU, told mm -hmm. through she's the side story of another TV show. So. It's not like it's her show you know like we know that like she hulk's coming and stuff like that whereas i love that no photon is a new superhero now she's going to be very powerful and very important going forward and she was just the side story in this crazy sitcom mm. world of wonder invented so yeah i love it what what a start to the new phase it could not have been any better um i know i know that's the thing yeah and i just can't wait for the last two already like as soon, every time i talk about it even though like you say this is one of my least favorite episodes still a nine out of ten still absolutely yeah. loved it it just oh, wasn't this this week, week you know the 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 kind of penultimate episode i just feel is gonna be an absolute banger it's gonna mm. go nuts leading into the finale yeah for sure and they've still been teasing all this crazy stuff like even paul bettany this week was like you haven't seen everything yet and i was like what does that mean i cannot mm. wait um yeah it just gets me so so happy um but yeah that is our tv chat for the week um and that was our that's, that was this week's show I, I still don't know what we're doing next week because that's that's the we that's never the do we never yeah, i don't even know why i bring it up at this point i need to just like end the show um because yeah there is some stuff out there there's some stuff on shudder actually that i did want to look at so maybe that'll be one of the films that we uh, check out um but yeah for now that was episode 236 where we discussed the upcoming the stylist uh thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone Shut up, I can't Mainly because I never could And how could I start that?